0: Welcome to Fujilove. This is the show that is all about the Fujifilm X-Series and GFX cameras, but more importantly, it's about the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sadowski, and this show is brought to you by Fujilove Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, whether it's news, interviews, and so much more, head on over to Fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And now, on with the show. Joining me this week, we have a very special roundtable, as everybody probably already knows that the Fujifilm X-H2-S has joined uh, the camera family, and here to talk about the the brand-new camera, the brand-new lenses, and all the brand-new shiny features, we have Jared Krakenbush returning to the show. How's it going, Jared? It's going wonderful. Hello, everybody! Awesome, and coming in as well. We're returning uh, is David and How's it going, David? What's up, guys? Been a while. I'm excited it's to be here. I think you guys were the panel for the last uh, roundtable.
1: Yeah, probably. It's, <laughs> it's been, been a long? long time ago. Come on, yeah. Man.
0: Well, you guys have that special qualification, Dave, you are absolutely brilliant when it comes to, uh, the technology behind the the cameras and Jared, you have that special knowledge, especially for this camera, uh, to talk about the, um, the, the video capabilities and it's practical use in uh, a professional environment. And I think with your combined knowledge and my wit, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can uh, put together a good uh, roundtable. I was kidding about the wit. I'm, I don't want any one star. Oh, reviews, we knew. We knew. <laughs> <laughs> just, just really wanted to lay that in there. Man. All righty. So let's dive right into it. The, the XH2S, how do you feel about them speaking? splitting off the two cameras, the, the the one announcement, but then the one yet to be announced. Um I know technology is kind of at at a premium right now where not everything's on the the fast track timetable like things used to be. You know, how do you feel about this this uh this one little this one little portion of a bigger picture. Uh let's start with you Dave.
1: I think that um, it's kind of strange. They didn't really give a lot of details on the X-H2 except for the fact that it's going to be 40 megapixel. And that puts it in a very weird spot because you don't really know what that camera is supposed to be, right? Like you've got the X-T line um, and like the X-Pro line and like most of their cameras are the 26 megapixel APS-C sensor cameras. And then you've got the GFX line and you have the 50S, but then you also have the 100 um, series, and those cameras have gotten way cheaper. And so you have a medium format camera that has super high megapixel, and then you've got, of course, your IPSC camera that is lower megapixel, but for what most people need, I think it's a good hybrid, right? That 26 megapixel is like kind of a perfect hybrid. And Sony does a similar thing where they have the A7, they have the A7S, and then they have the A7R. And so it's very distinctive on like, what you want, uh, depending on like if you're a video shooter, a hybrid shooter, or an image stills shooter specifically. So them just giving the information about the XH2 and saying it'll be 40 megapixel is very confusing because it gets really close to that 50 megapixel that they have in a lot of their medium format sensors. That said, of course, um, higher megapixel is not always better, especially on a smaller sensor that is something like APS-C. Uh, and for video, I imagine a 40 megapixel sensor is not going to be great, especially on APS-C. So that's just kind of awkward. I, I feel like it's very weird for them to, and and also the fact that they announced the S version first, because usually it's like if you tack on something at the end, that's the one that comes out later, right? So yeah. like, just as a as a like semantics thing, it's kind of weird to like announce the S version first. I feel like this should just be called the XH two. And then the next one should be like R or S or something like that. Um, And also
0: with their cameras, higher resolution.
1: And I feel like they should have just like either told us everything about the next camera or not said anything at all, because then people are not going to want to necessarily buy this camera if they don't really know what the 40 megapixel option is going to feature. So it's just kind
0: of awkward in that way. The only thing we really know is that the current S model that they described is for speed and the later model that's coming is for detail. That, that's kind of how they left it and The so problem admit, is go on. Like
1: like the problem is why would you if you're making a video camera then you should sort of just focus on making the video camera. Like Sony has a detail camera that's the A7R, right? And then they've got the hybrid that's the A7, and then they have the A7S that's video. It's like, it's very weird to... The X-H line, the entire point of the H line, from my point of view, was always like, we're getting serious about video. We're noticing that ever since the X-T2, when people are able to shoot 4K... And they added all these firmware updates, and then the X-T3 ended up being a way better video camera than people are anticipating. People started using their X-T cameras as video cameras, but they're very clearly not oriented towards video. They just can do good video. And I think Fuji wanted to move towards making a good video option, and this is very clearly trying to target like the Blackmagic um, 6K, because it does 6K 30 and it can record in Blackmagic um, RAW, and it can record in ProRes, like all these things that are extremely video-oriented. But it's just really weird to release a video-oriented version that is the S and then a detail one. Like, what is the detail version of the video camera supposed to be? Like, that's just very strange, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. uh, I would imagine from a a stills photography point of view, maybe... It's, uh, and again, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark here. Like anybody who's doing wildlife stills or sports or, um, you know, something that requires capturing fast movement, that's probably where the S will come in. But then, you know, we don't know the limitations of what the 40 could do because it might just be that the 40, depending on when it's going to come out, may catch up in technology and, may be able to be on par. Uh, who knows? Uh, Jared, okay. what do you think?
2: <laughs> for me, I'm looking at a shelf full of cameras and I don't <laughs> like, I don't really know if I want, I want to know what the other one is. Cause I don't plan on buying <laughs> both. Right. At least just me personally. Right. So for me, it's just kind of wondering, you know, like you guys were saying, what is the camera? What is the purpose for it? Who is it marketed for? What is it good at? And, you know, does it fit what my needs are, right? Which are hybrid shooter completely, but leaning more towards videography. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just here waiting
0: <laughs> to, to see. <laughs> it, you know, Jared, though, I would imagine that in your field uh, w- w- dealing with real estate, the the attention to detail would be probably the same as the speed like what if
2: i mean maybe the video
0: capability on the 40 is enough for you because i mean houses don't move very fast true Um, i mean and that's
2: the thing by the time i rent i mean real estate is a very small thing of what i do but by the time i render these these very small photo sizes to fit to go online like uh, the details not that important. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Like not even a little bit. So, um, so yeah, I've been doing incredibly well with, uh, (laughs) just, just the regular XT line for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's pretty much my thoughts on that. I'm just excited to see what they have, what they, uh, come out with, what are some of the specs and would it benefit me or any of the members on my team who shoot Fuji film?
0: The, I would have to say, that the uh, one of the things that struck me uh, as a positive from the entire announcement was the image stabilization on, on the camera. Where this is the first time that I've ever heard it acknowledged that uh, a camera is trying to uh, achieve the no gimbal status, the the to, to be able to be reliable without a gimbal. Uh, that way it makes drone photography and videography that much more lighter and easier. Um, Dave, let's go back to you. Like, have you heard of any other manufacturer that uh, made this kind of claim?
1: Yeah, you know, so I think that the image stabilization space has been getting more and more intense over the years. Um, the first camera to really do like hyper amazing image stabilization was like the GH five. Yeah. And that camera has great stabilization, but it's a micro four third sensor. And I, over the years we've seen more cameras in bigger sensor sizes apply different levels of stabilization um so now of course even full-frame cameras can have stabilization but it's still not great and even the a7s3 um they claim very good stabilization it still needs a little bit of work they have a third-party app that can kind of like make it better but then you have to process it through that app and it's like it's kind of hard and over time they're adding more and more stabilization but more stabilization on bigger sensors requires more processing power and more power in general. And so actually one of the things that I've been pretty excited about on this camera that I'm excited to test out is the fact that they added a coprocessor um, to this camera. So they have a one gigahertz processor that is powering the main, ca- the whole camera. And then they have a 600 megahertz coprocessor that is specifically tailored to the seven axis or the five axis stabilization. And they say that it's going to allow for seven seven stops um, of image stabilization, which is kind of awesome if that's true. Uh, But for reference, the last uh, X-T4, its main processor, it didn't have a coprocessor, and its main processor was like 607 megahertz or something like that. So for the main processor to to be one gigahertz and the coprocessor to be basically just as fast as the last entire camera seems pretty sweet. Um, I think that'll help a lot. And I think that'll also help with uh, that kind of gimbal-like look that you are kind of trying to achieve. Now, what that ends up looking like in practice, I have no idea because I know that their first attempts at stable, at like image stabilization, when they first added image stabilization, was not amazing. And it got better over time with firmware updates, but they've had a long time to work on this, right? Like the it's xh one came out in 2018. So they've had four years yeah. to kind of like make this better. They had the X S 10 that had image stabilization built in, which was kind of like a middle finger to the X T three in a way, because that was like the X T three in every, every way, but it was better in some ways and it was cheaper. Yeah. Um, so I am just overall excited to see that the one thing, I mean, if you have image stabilization on, if you're running a coprocessor at 600 megahertz, you're probably going to burn the, through that battery, pretty quickly um i am interested to see what the battery life is going to be like while shooting video with image stabilization on um and i'm more excited about just like using it for photo uh so just being able to do yeah. like one 15th second exposures um handheld or even one thirtieth it was going to be a lot nicer. So that should be interesting. The the whole gimbal claim, I don't know. We've seen gimbal-like cameras in smartphones before. Like most smartphone cameras have gotten to the point where they almost feel like they're floating. But they're Uh clearly cropping in because smartphones use very high megapixel sensors. Uh, Whether or not they're big, they still crop in and use higher megapixels. So on a 26.2, I don't know. Um, That'll be interesting to see. But that's my take on the stabilization.
2: How about you, Jared? You know, I mean, yes, we see people make those claims. Uh, I did – something I just really enjoyed was there was a video that they released on their YouTube channel of these two video creators. They did like a, a video of documenting this uh, mountain biker and uh, yeah. it was just – I just loved, well, I liked seeing all the behind the scenes in the one video and then, which they used a gimbal seven, several times, (laughs) but, (laughs) uh, but, um, the, the final footage was incredible, especially with FPV, which is something I'm trying to learn, but that's incredible to see that on an FPV drone, like that camera. But, um, well, I mean that's why you have David on talking about coprocessors. Like I just want to know how <laughs> how to use it. I think that's incredible though. I did not know that feature. I missed that detail. So man, that's pretty uh, that That's pretty awesome. To to see them, you know, while somebody like me can make a claim that hey, we want to see this thing get better, but I don't know how to do that. That's what they do. And it's neat seeing that they may have listened to that and figured out a way to do it. So yeah, that's that's a pretty interesting fact. But overall, um, gimbal like <laughs> I use a gimbal
0: almost every day.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm testing. I'm I'm trying. You know, to do more running gun stuff.
0: But uh, I don't know if wouldn't to that, that be enough. cool? So you you use a gimbal pretty regularly. That yes, that would sir. be something that would be pretty awesome to be able to ditch that extra weight.
2: I mean, maybe, but do I, we'll just see, right? Like, do I want to have to, what they say, ninja walk through a home, (laughs) you know, Uh Uh, it just depends, I guess, what is the purpose of the video, right? Who's it for? And then uh, just tailoring the shooting method to the video's needs. But, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Let's see. What else did we have that stuck out? What, um, Jared, what stuck out for you that mm-hmm. was uh, interesting? Yeah, thanks for asking that. I think for me, as somebody who shoots a lot of video on,
2: and, and several people on my team shoot with all Fuji, is just like simple use of every usability everyday things. You know, um, I, I'm really excited to see a full HDMI port. I mean, for me, I, I I've actually avoided using. I don't know why. I've just avoided using some of my external monitors just because I don't like using the. The small HDMI port on these cameras, right? So I'm excited to see a full HDMI port. Um, I'm kind of excited. If you noticed on the side, those those little like, access doors. I loved. I love my XT3. How uh, it it opened up and it stayed open uh, to access, you know, the microphone jacks, HDMI ports, charging ports. And I, 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 as somebody who uses those a lot, I hate the flappy ports on the XT4. I hate them. <laughs> I yeah. Just, I mean, I actually have one where we just cut them off, and we just make sure we don't take that camera in the rain. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it, I can see it looks like they brought that back. So you have on the the mic jack uh, and headphone jack, or I believe it was. But it, there's a door that opens. But then on the HDMI door, it's a flappy little flappy thing. So, but I'm excited to see full HDMI. Um, port uh they claiming they're claiming that it has better battery life than the xt4 because of processor and software i I don't know i mean i'll be i i pretty much have grips on all my cameras even when we're shooting video i pretty much shoot with grips with the battery grips on them you know um and just a couple things like excited to i shoot a lot I, I you know what I have avoided shooting in 4K 60 a ton because of the crop. And to see that they've gotten rid of that on this camera, 4K 60, I am will be excited to use it more. You know, I mean, typically we shoot in 60 in my agency for a lot of the work that we do. We're shooting in 60 frames per second a lot. And we've just kept that at, you know, 1080. So I'm excited to upgrade to that in areas where I want to get that full sensor
0: readout. Pretty awesome. How about, uh, you, Dave, What, what other features are, um, caught your attention during the presentation?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, one that's pretty interesting to me is the full open gate readout, uh, which means that it can shoot in three by two, which I think is very interesting just to have access to new formats. Um, I, sure. yeah. I, I, when I did a lot of, uh, on like field tech journalism, which now I work for a different, um, I refer a YouTube channel now, so I'm in a studio more often, but I was cr- internally shooting in 16 by nine a lot. And then I realized like, Oh, I should just shoot in three by two because that'll allow me to crop the way I want. And it gets the full sensor readout, but shooting in three by two in a video format was never an option. So being able to shoot in three by two and then just crop the way you want gives you a whole lot more flexibility because if you want to be more creative and do parts of your video in one by one or parts of your video in you know sixteen by nine or twenty one by nine, like you have that option, which is really cool. Um, the other okay, big thing so is for me, yeah,
0: I I, I I thought that. So I I'm, I'm glad you clear that up because I thought that the three by two was uh you you were getting rid of data on the sides so you're actually just using that that's just using the whole sensor it's as it's full it. sensor readout yeah to the video interesting that and no other no one else is doing that uh open gate
1: is a is a standard um it's not very common you don't gotcha. see it very much so because they save a lot of data if they don't have to read pick that many pixels in video that um, makes sense. But being able to do that gives you a lot more creative flexibility for sure. So right on. that's really nice. Uh, the other things that stick out a lot for me are ProRes recording and black magic recording. Um, it's quite interesting. It's like the XH line obviously is supposed to be more video oriented. And I think probably what Fuji is thinking is. They want all of their cameras to be hybrid cameras in some way, but they want them to lean in a certain direction. So The XT line is more photo focused, but is able to is a hybrid camera that can do very good video. Um, And I think with the XT4, they noticed that people were using them for video more. So they tried to tailor it for video more. But they had just tried the XH1 that was supposed to be more video focused, and that kind of flopped because they released it too, like they released it way too late. They released it right before the XT3 came out with the way better processor that was quad core, mm-hmm. and it was just a whole mess. And that's what made the yeah. X- XH1 like not do very well. So now they're sort of trying to compete with like the Blackmagic uh, Pocket Cinema Camera for, uh, 6K, which is really great. Maybe like a black, uh, Red Komodo. But mostly, I see this as a Blackmagic 6K competitor, and the fact that they were able to get Blackmagic recording in this camera is really interesting. Just from a like Blackmagic's perspective, like why they would want to allow them to do that, I have no idea. But specifically ProRes, um, and it cannot do ProRes RAW internally, but it can do ProRes 422, and that gives you a lot of detail. Now the files are huge. And you have to shoot in the new card format that it allows for. So it's not SD if you want to do that. But um, specifically for people that own MacBook Pros, uh, the new M1 Pro and M1 Max MacBook Pros, those computers have ProRes accelerators built in, which allows them to just chop through ProRes footage, which is very big footage, like butter which is really nice um and when they added h.265 on the fuji xt3 i remember getting really excited because h.265 it has more detail and the files are generally smaller than h.264 but nobody has ever really optimized for h.265 and editing and playing back h.265 video is very taxing on systems and even just like H.265 video for an X-T3 was going to bring like a really good computer to its knees every now and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it was just bad. It was, it was ridiculous. So being able to shoot ProRes, especially ProRes 422 with all of that detail is really nice, especially because you can just accelerate it so much. Like it's, it's going to be able to, you're going to be able to chop that footage super easily, which is amazing. Um, trying to remember. I think I had one other thing that was Really interesting. I mean the the forty second the forty frames per second image readout is cool um, through electronic shutter. Fifteen FPS on mechanical shutter is like not super impressive, but at least they're doing forty frames per second e shutter. Yeah. Um, everything is like a little bit better. I don't love the body style. I feel like it looks more like a GFX, which is fine, but I would kind of pr- I like really prefer the XT style. I'm trying to remember the other like feature that actually excited me about this camera.
0: Um, what do you think about the, I was going to ask about the remote recording the, the ethernet.
2: Oh, you being able to use it as a webcam. Well, you, you, can, know, like, them, web- you can like pair them all together and almost like, streamcasting cut between cameras all oh
1: alive. yeah yeah I think that is another um that's another way that they're trying to sort of take aim at black magic. Mm. Um just try to get more into like a production cinema world. Yeah. Oh yeah the the other thing that was interesting to me is the um F Log 2. I think F Log right. was always okay. But it was never as flat as it could have been. And I remember shooting in F-Log a lot and just being like, you know, this is better, but I still feel like I'm peaking highlight detail sometimes and I don't have as much like flexibility as I should have. And if you look at a comparison of F-Log and F-Log 2, there is a pretty big difference. Uh, I believe they're quoting 14 stops of dynamic range with F-Log 2. Yeah, that's what I just saw. And it looks it's so flat, <laughs> but with the Eternal right. LUT or like the um, Rec 709 or Rec 2020 LUTs, like you can really, really flex these cameras a lot. So I'm really excited to what to see what we can do with that, and just see what kind of footage we can get out of F Log
0: Two in general. That's something that's way beyond. Yeah. I, all I know is that that's, that's the, the video version of raw.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited to use it as well. You know, I mean, I, I found myself actually just using, you know, cause one of the goals that we do with all the videos that we're shooting is quick turnaround, you know, unless we're putting together something that's more a long documentary story, you know, we're putting out content for businesses to go into social media pretty quickly, you know? So We've, there was a period where we just stopped using it, you know, um, but we want to, I think it's nice to be able to use it and have it. So, you know, when to use it and, and what situations, but like David's saying, there was times where I definitely felt like I was clipping information or just for turnaround or ease of use, just shooting in a or even like classic Chrome for video looks nice. You know, if that's your preference. So I looked at a, a lot of information about this. I've logged to, or Yeah. Flock 2, which that was a real shock for me. I didn't even see that on any radar or any r- rumors or anything. So it's nice to see that. Uh, and I don't know how I'll use it. It looks like there's more noise. But uh, I watched a really interesting video about uh, the noise in those and how apparently it cleans up really, really, really well in post. Um, and also, s- depending on the noise level, how pleasing it can actually, actually look. Uh, yeah, It was something that I had just noticed, you know,
0: you don't, know, I love that about Fujifilm. I think I, I enjoyed those more than the summits themselves. The, the mini documentaries that come out after, after the, the presentations, it's, it's a great way to see, all of the features in use and how, you know, showing how it would be put into action. And, uh, uh, the only one I caught right now was the, the, the one that you mentioned earlier, the, the biking and the,
2: the yeah, that gimbal was great. I, I, I don't watch a lot of their videos maybe because they're not kind of tailored to me or, I. Uh, And so, I mean, I want to, you know, but that was one that I really enjoyed. So it was nice seeing them kind of doing a different type of video, showing the cameras in a way that I actually use them. So it was pretty neat. So I'm excited to see how they keep growing and, you know, collaborating with other creators.
0: Now, one of the things that we all saw probably through the rumor sites uh, is that fan, that (laughs) <laughs> was introduced, <laughs> and I think everyone took a took a step back and you know, wait a minute, you guys never mentioned anything about a fan.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, um, I'm, I'm, jumping in. I'm just, I'm just glad that it looks like we don't really have to have it.
0: Yes, that's we could unless all I'm, unless I'm really. going to
2: record sixty minutes of four K, one hundred and twenty. I mean, David may that you know that's right up his alley. I think but I don't know. I mean, hey, at least they noticed a problem and maybe tried to solve it right before we all got it. And we're like, um, "I know I shoot in Florida and I shoot in Phoenix, so maybe I should order one." But we'll see. How about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean,
1: the fan is very weird. It's um, <laughs> so weird. I, the camera already has very good cooling, and it's like. The difference is you can shoot in 4K 120 for 23 minutes at a time or two hours at a time. I really don't know, like Jared said, who's shooting 4K 120 for two hours because that's like 10 hours of regular footage. And I mean, maybe there would be like one situation where that happens Um, because shooting for 23 minutes in 4K 120 is already a lot. And you may do intermittent clips for your shooting 4K 120, but besides that, it's like, when are you gonna need that? And it's two hundred dollars, and it's sort of an awkward, like, sure, I guess it's great that they're offering it, but like I it's they sort of made it like almost a marquee thing. Like, oh uh, look, our camera's fanless, but we do offer a fan if you really, really want to get extreme and it's like well this is very extreme, but extremely extreme specific circumstances so yeah
0: and
2: Dave, David maybe you could to the tech side of it like it looks like it's just metal on metal like when it's mounted you know like I don't know is it drawing heat away it's uh it so it it's out? got contacts and I believe I saw the it's, contacts and I was wondering how that plays in this
1: yeah I didn't I didn't look to see if it's drawing heat away or into the camera um. I would imagine into the camera because I doubt that much heat is being radiated off of that specific area that it needs to be one taken out. One reviewer
2: mentioned possible. One reviewer mentioned they thought it was communicated them that it's drawing heat away, but like hmm. what? So it's blo- but but again, it really wasn't clear. So
1: yeah, that's something um, I probably should have asked in the briefing, but I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It's a weird accessory for sure, and I think it's something that a lot of people are laughing at. But it also seems like a very Fuji thing to do. Just make this random thing that everyone's like, okay, yeah. I
2: guess. And it it doesn't really. It looks very like third party ish. Like it looks like yeah. it's just like this d branded kind of plastic. <laughs> like it looks better
0: yeah. than the Canon though.
2: I haven't seen that one. I don't I maybe, you know, I probably have.
0: I don't remember. Let me Google. Isn't the Canon version like a big brick that you slap on the side? Hmm. Is that for the new Canon camera or? Yeah, I, I can't remember. I remember seeing a fan for one of their uh, one of their cameras. Um, but I, 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 don't know. I, don't. I haven't paid a lot of attention to them, if I'm honest. same here like it was just something i saw in passing uh and i saw somebody in uh one of the comments section make reference to it being uh smaller built than the canon um but i'm just glad that it's not one of those that one of those necessities that we need for the camera So they do. Yes, there there is a
2: third. There does look to be a third party. It looks very. It's definitely a fan that's screwed onto the back of your camera. So (laughs) kind of similar. It goes right in the spot of where the you know the the flip screen. Yeah. Goes. I watched
1: the DP review video about it too. And it's like, it makes quite a bit of noise. And he was like, if you use labs, it's fine. But if not, you have an onboard bike, this is kind yeah, of loud. And I'm just like, the,
2: this is all really weird. That's the other thing in their summit. You know, they, they, I, they must've found a new phrase run and gun. Cause they kept putting it in there. Mm. I think they were just excited to say run and gun, but uh they, That was my thought. If you're running a gun and out in Phoenix with a fan motor on the back, I don't know if that would be ideal. Mm -hmm. I think DP review, that's the one I haven't gotten to yet. So.
0: I saw the review. It's their standard review. It's like, yeah, "Eh, we don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all righty. So I think we, anything else that I missed in the XH 2s that uh you guys wanted to talk about that i didn't mention something
1: i do wonder
0: is how long
1: until we see an xt5 and how many of these features will go to the xt5 and will they kneecap themselves yet again four years later right that's that's a big question for
0: me geez i didn't even think about that one um all right so if this camera is launching in july uh, I would say God, they couldn't possibly. Could they? Generally,
1: cameras come out in like between January and February. Um, but that's still a short-ish time gap. And I imagine they're going to use this xtrans 5 processor again. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be using the coprocessor. I think that's I don't really know if that's coupled in with X Trans Five, or is that if that's just for the stabilization. But I mean, they have a habit of sort of the, the funny thing is, Canon always preemptively kneecaps their cameras by not wanting to cannibalize their cinema market, so they've always intentionally right. not made their like hybrid um, prosumer cameras that good be like they waited for 4k for so long just because they didn't want to cannibalize their their yeah. cinema market fuji does like the opposite fuji's just like oh we released this new thing it's very special it's the only one to do this and then like the next month that specialized camera is no longer specialized yeah. so we'll see it'll be interesting I would like if they moved the X, the XT line back towards being more photo oriented personally, but I'm just a hater who didn't like the X-T four.
0: So. You know what? want, actually let's talk about that real quick. Um, <laughs> the one thing I'm disappointed in, in this camera is the fact that it's using the GFX kind of look and feel. Um,
2: I was going to, uh, I was going to ask you about that guys. Oh Yeah. <laughs>
0: I was what just, do you think uh, about the GIF uh, that 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 screen? Let's go with you.
2: Who? Who's you? Me? Hey Jared. Sorry. Yep. You know, I'm a fan of the dials. I know people hate them. I, I I like the dials in video. I like getting into a situ. I mean, I hybrid shoot so much. It's nice being able to have them right there. I've gotten really used to having them there, and I'm a big fan. Up to the point to where uh, I'm looking at my XS10 right now, and. I don't even think I've, does it have custom modes? I don't even think I've ever set it up. Yes, it has custom modes. I never set up one of them. I just, I, I don't, <laughs> I I like the dials. I like the look of it. I, I liked my X H one a lot and how it kind of, ha- it had that display too. I believe I just sold it recently,
1: but yeah, um, it the display as
2: well. yeah I, I liked having, I liked how it had both, you know, I guess this is going to try to push me out to, uh, I think it says what seven custom modes. So, I think I'll have to finally, you know, jump into that. But
0: uh, I, I I'm a fan of the, the dials. X, the XS10s, the, the whole like button setup. I, I I think it's great for video for what I used it. I just, I, I don't think, I, I don't think I set it up either. Now, I just I'm coming from a,
2: from a place who's, who, I'm coming from a place like I've been shooting Fuji so long in video. That's yeah. all I'm used to. Right. So, um, that's what I'm used to. So I've never used the PSAM or whatever they call it dial too much, but uh, you know, I'm looking forward to trying something new. Right. And if somebody could get me to try something new, it'd probably be Fujifilm. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Right
0: on. Um, What do you think will be the next camera? I mean, we know, I mean, apart from the X H two, uh, do you think that one's going to come next or do you think that'll come like next year or what, what, What? what is the rumor right now for, for that camera?
1: I've no idea about the rumors, but I would imagine it'll come later this year, probably around like October. Yeah. Room, I guess. Cause that, that builds the hype for them again and allows people to buy it right before Christmas.
2: So is, yeah, is it is there any price projection estimates? anything? No, because we don't really know anything. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like
1: we know it's forty megapixel, 40. and that's
2: about it. You know, I've wondered if it's just that camera that's kind of bridging X mount shooters who aren't ready to jump into GFX. Maybe they don't want to get all that new glass. Like I don't know. I was just trying to think. Like, I, I guess that so. more. I mean, because there's times where there's times where I know where I am doing something just photo specific. And I'm like, man, I wish I had a little more reach, uh, but uh, but I don't, you know, but it would be nice to grab. But at this point, I don't know that I'm ready to jump all in on a new lens system and all that stuff.
1: I feel like Fuji has done this multiple times where they're like, we have way too many camera lines and we have way too many cameras. Like we have the XH line and the XT line and the TX line and the X100 and the XT100 and the TX100. XT. E and XE percent. and oh my God, like I've been to to a few parties with Fuji, like CEO, like the Fuji CEO of North America. And he's just like, we're going to, yeah, we're going to reduce the camera lines. We're going to like make it easier for people to understand. And it's like, uh, are you? Because you told, he told this to me in 2018 and it seems like they're just still
2: releasing new lines. So new ones. Yeah. I feel like yeah. new ones have come out since 2018
0: yeah the, X, the XE4 has had the most laughable history uh, to date. if if the rumors are true this camera basically was uh killed they discontinued the line entirely and like a few months later it got resurrected and they had big plans for it and then all of a sudden it hit's it's the market and uh now it's like one of my favorite cameras ever. Um, yeah, you know for, David to go on the death, you know the death watch to to being released, uh, I mean, it's 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 crazy, yeah,
2: David, I was gonna ask you, you mentioned about um, you'd like to see the xt line go back to more kind of photo focus. Yeah. In what ways would they do that? Is it you mentioned that you're not a fan of the flip screen? Well, but. the body got a, the body got a little thicker um, yep. with
1: the Xt4. Something that I really like um, about what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, something that I really like about the XH2 actually is that they finally did the fully rotating screen. I think that's going to make people very happy, uh, especially YouTubers because that's like a big feature being able to see yourself and i think that that's important to have i d- i've never liked the way that they do it um even in the XT4 because it feels flimsy and i mean you've had a lot of experience with the XT4 so you would know yeah I'm,
2: it, it's it's wiggling right way. now in my hand yeah, yeah <laughs> so you know and just uh, apparently at least this time they put the mic jack higher than so it's above the screen <laughs> Uh, right now it's, you can't, I can't even on the X-T4, like you can't even tilt once you have the screen out, you can't even like tilt it without hitting the mic jack. So,
1: yeah, that's the other problem.
2: Yeah. And so I don't
1: know. I I like, I like the flip screens. Um, I just, I like the size of the X-T3 and they definitely made it quite a bit bulkier with the X-T4. So I would like to see it maybe slim down a little bit. It is interesting because the, um, the gosh X Pro line is very clearly targeting like the very enthusiast rangefinder mm-hmm. market, um, yeah. and so the XT line, which was originally the hybrid line, is now sort of in this awkward place because now it's like, well, what does hybrid really? What does hybrid really mean at this point? Yeah, because people who people want those video features, but. To include those yeah. video features, you often have to make things thicker and make things, you know, look a certain way, and so that was,
2: yeah, It yeah. was just how many hybrids do you need? Do you need a photo yeah. focused hybrid? Oh, the other thing that I hybrid right. The other thing that I
1: mean for, for for like photo focused is like I really like all of my dials, <laughs> and I know that a lot of people like the the like custom dials and are excited about the having a ton of custom dial settings on the X-H2. But as someone who like literally learned how to take pictures with a Fuji camera, having the aperture or having the exposure triangle just at the tip of my fingers at all times was, it has been very core to like who I am as a photographer. Absolutely. And even now my favorite digital camera to use right now is the, Um, X100V, and I've had that for about a year and a half, and it's just like being able to just change everything without even taking my eye off the viewfinder is like very, very valuable as a photographer. Obviously, as a videographer, when you're doing video, it doesn't matter as much because you're setting a setting. You're not going to change your shutter speed. You're generally not trying to change the ISO if you're shooting in a controlled environment. Everything is around the same. And so... That's not as important for a video camera, but for a photo camera, having access to the exposure triangle in particular, where every shot, if you're shooting manual, which you should be shooting manual if you're on Fuji, well, not, I mean, look, people shoot in priority modes, that's fine. That's great. But if you're learning photography, I think manual is really, really important to do just to learn. Yeah. And so from a photo focus perspective, I really like having shutter speed ISO and then the aperture and all the lenses and then also exposure compensation for people that actually use that. I would oh, have liked them the to time. at least keep that dial, but it looks like that's gone too. Yeah, I know. I think that the uh, exposure compensation dial just like even ex- a lot of experienced photographers don't actually even know what it does. <laughs> so Yeah, I know. That's a, on a digital camera, uh, on a special on a mirrorless digital camera. Um that's it, it's confusing for a lot of people. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: So, so we have the XH2S. I guess the big question is, um, are you going to buy it? Mm. Dave? Well, I'm
1: not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And if I'm honest, like, I shoot almost entirely film now, Um, and then
0: I've been watching your feed. It's uh, your Instagram feed. It's been awesome.
1: Yeah, it's like mostly that, and then everything that's not film I do on the X100V, and I actually have the adapters for the X100V. So, well, I have one of them. I have the 50 mm adapter. I want the 28 adapter, Um, but that camera has been like literally perfect for me. I used to do a ton of video. And I still do video, but now at my new studio, we have access to a bunch of cinema cameras. So I just shoot on the cinema cameras at the studio and I don't really need to do a lot of field video work that much anymore. And if I was still doing field video work, like if I was still working Android authority, traveling full time, um, I think that it would be a lot easier for me to justify because it would be kind of perfect for that reason. But right now I have no reason to get one for field video shooters who didn't like the XT four and maybe like the body style more. I think it makes a lot of sense.
0: How about you, Jared? You, you know,
2: what co- is it actually becoming available? July, July. Yeah. And do they, did they say when? Cause there's 30 <laughs> days there, but no, I'm, I have a, I was really hoping to have it. I have a, a trip out of country documentary trip to Africa in the first week of July and I was really like I was ready to pull the trigger, hoping I would get it before then to take it on that trip. Now that I'm not, gonna probably have it in time. I don't I don't know that I'm in a rush to get it, <clears throat> you know. Mm-hmm. Um there are aspects of it that I, I, I do like, you know, but I have enough really great cameras that I'm looking at right now that do really great hybrid shooting, you know? Uh, and it's not, a, you know, you know how many times I get asked when I have an XT camera on a gimbal, they're like, is that a film you're shooting film video? Yeah. Like, every uh, single time. Yeah. I know it's always <laughs> yeah. fun, but yeah. no, I definitely think there's enough upgrades there for somebody like me to definitely make the purchase. Uh, I'm not going to probably purchase more than one, kind of put it through its paces, to see how it does. And then if it makes sense to upgrade my team, uh, you know, maybe that becomes like the main camera. Uh, maybe it's time to get rid of some of the XT or XT fours, but uh, XT T4s, But I think we will. I'm not in a rush to do it though. I guess I could say. Because, I think uh, there's,
1: yeah, I think there's yeah.
2: been this, I, I don't know if this is just me, but I've noticed in
1: the last like year or two, maybe it's been COVID, maybe it's been whatever, but I don't feel this like, crazy hype, excited urge to upgrade things that much anymore. Mm. And I don't know whether it's like, you know, everything does good 4K video now. Everything does this and this and this. And like, also, I just felt a very resounding like, eh, okay, about this camera. Mm. And a lot of people are like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's better. But like, I don't feel like I drastically need it. Correct. So... I think a lot of people, especially people with X-T4s, it's like, well, if they're not really a problem for you right now, then you don't you don't really need to be spending
2: $2,500 on them. <laughs> you know, when I had my X-T3, and that's when I, like, really fell in love. I had an X-H1 and an X-T3. And, uh, you know, the upgrades I wanted were battery and a flip screen. And I got that, right? <laughs> you know, and I think I saw <laughs> on this one, you know, I even think it looked like that, the 4K goes up to 700 megabits per second like we even rarely use the 400 yeah, that's insane because we we rarely use the 400 yeah. because it's just so we're shooting so much content for businesses so much you know we're taking in a 60 minute interview and breaking it down into tons of pieces of mini content and it's like i don't know if i like pro res sounds great like all these things. I know it's great. I don't know that it's ready yet. For me, do I have the the storage capabilities? You know, all my editors work remotely. <laughs> you know, do I have enough cloud space? You know, just the usability. Um, just some things kind of left.
1: Yeah, grow. yeah. Even just like cloud storage, just like ProRes is amazing, but it is a crap load of storage. Right. So Am if you I can't ready? store that and you Am and I your are ready stuff for that currently is fine then like yeah i think that's a, a lot of people i think have realized in the last year or two like if what i'm using right now is fine i don't really have the urge to get something new
2: mm. um
1: i made that might be a lot of people it could just be me i don't know part of that could be like i'm not doing as much field work anymore so sure. it's not like i i don't see the limitations as much like with the x uh the X100V, I feel like there are literally no problems with that camera almost. So oh, it's I like, love it. yeah, yeah, I, Looking I don't at have it right any... here. I
2: love this thing.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, uh, it's insane. So,
2: file sizes, progress sounds great. I know it's kind of like that <laughs> next step, it's that next thing that they kind of need to do, I think, to kind of what to compete with some of the other camera companies. So it makes total sense. But, um, I mean, we shoot a lot of video. That's all we do. And we still probably shoot 85% of it in 1080. Don't tell mm-hmm. anybody. Don't tell anybody.
0: What kind of company would be, and again, this is my ignorance about video. Um, what kind of company would be more inclined to use the the ProRes? Uh, because it sounds like, uh, Jared, it sounds like it's a lot of hassle.
2: I mean, I haven't used it for me. Any, anytime I'm shooting something just comes down to like, what is the end purpose of the video? What is the purpose of this? You know, and who is this for? And then, you know, I'm thinking more story driven these days. So, and then just tailoring the camera and the settings to help me accomplish that the best, you know, um, I don't have a lot of experience with it. I don't know about you, David.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, we usually mostly shoot Red Raw um, because the cameras don't do ProRes right. internally. I think, like, ProRes is is a is a format that if you are editing, especially in, like, Final Cut, it's, like, very optimized for that. And actually what I do um,
2: on Which my videos... Which is what we use, so I'm excited to try it, but yeah.
1: One other nice thing about ProRes is that, like, You can export it and have extremely high quality in the X, even though the file size is going to be massive, right? Like for my last video that I put on my YouTube channel, I made two versions. I made a Uh version that is a just regular H.264 version that ended up being like 1.8 gigabytes. And then I exported a ProRes 4.2.2 version just to have the highest possible quality so that if I need to, I get rid of all my um, footage and all my A roll, my raw stuff, because that was over a terabyte. But if I need to reference that video, I can just pull in that export that has almost no compression, mm, and I like that. it's it's 118 gigabytes. But it's already the selects, like it's all my best files, it's all I my like best that. clips. So even though it's 118 gigabytes, it's still a way better way of storing that information versus having um, all the
2: the originals. Yeah.
1: Cause that was like 1.2 terabytes. Yeah. We're
2: already kind of doing that in some ways. Like, but I like, I could definitely see us, uh, you know, using it in that format. Yeah. It's really helpful for that reason. Cool.
0: Um, what about the the new lenses that were announced? How, did any of them strike uh, strike any kind of appeal?
1: So Fuji has off has long been criticized for not having lenses that appeal to video shooters, um, and the reasoning for that is like you know they all have they all are are clicky with their aperture rings with like. Most And most of them don't have a way to, like, de-click and make them smooth. Right. And beyond that, most of them are focused by wire, and so they end up being really jerky with autofocus transitions, whereas, like, the Panasonic GH5, when that came out, you could set different levels of, like, autofocus change aggressiveness, and you could even make it so it's like this is focal point a this is focal point b transition between these two things either do it fast medium or slow and that's great but fuji has always been very jerky and for photo that makes a lot of sense because you want to autofocus on the thing that you're trying to take a picture of as fast as physically possible so focus by wire is great for photo and I don't think Fuji ever really expected to become a company that cared at all about video like that. There was just never a thing that they really anticipated, but yeah, the first as they, kind of show that. Yeah. Well, as they did the Kaizen updates, I think the XT two was one of the first cameras that really showed like, Oh, they can do serious video. Yep. Um, the XT two is the camera that I started doing really serious video on. They added like, 4K on that camera in a firmware update. They added H.265 in a firmware update. Wow, they and did? I am pretty sure it was the X-T2. It might have been the X-T3, but I'm pretty sure it was the X-T2 that they added that. Um, they added big features in the X-T2 o- over Kaizen updates that came out like a year later, um, which is crazy. And so, I yeah, again, I, I honestly don't think they ever anticipated to be a video company and so for that reason, none of their lenses are very good for video. And so they have a few lenses that they've slowly released that are better for video. They have the uh, I think the 16 to 80 F4, which is better for video, uh, besides it being F4. And they have the 16 to 55 is known as pretty good for video, but
2: overall, it okay. Yeah, but overall but all, they're not great that's my biggest gripe. We don't even, we don't even use Fuji glass. Yeah. And on these on.
1: are, yeah, right. You probably use like Sigma or something, right? Yep. Yeah. So these are, consi- these are considered power zooms, I believe. Um, uh, and yes, they so are like pretty massive zoom ranges. Um, yeah. So I guess it's good that they're releasing them. However, I'm not sure, like, I, here's another thing. Like, videographers will often sure maybe have an 18 to 55 and then like a 55 to 105 or something like that. But it's, it's not crazy often that they have lenses that are like really, really big focal ranges. Right. And so releasing these power zooms is kind of strange. And then if you watch the DP review video, at least right now, Um, those lenses don't seem amazing. So their pricing is, is they're actually priced pretty well, but that actually leads me to believe that the, they didn't really get the optics very well. Like I think the, um, I think the second ranged one is like, is like 700 to $800. I think it's $800. And then the first one is like 1100 or something like that. And for a lens that's like
2: uh, that kind of zoom range, that's fairly cheap. Yeah, they have an 18 to 120, uh, yeah. a, a 150 to 600.
1: That's just insane. Like, I I just, that kind of zoom range, like, there's no way that you can have great optics in that kind of zoom range unless you're paying a crap load of money. Like, the, the Canon, um, there's a Canon F2, which is like 24 to 70 F2, it is massive has a ton of glass in it. And I think it costs $6,000 and that makes sense. But having like this kind of glass be that focal range and costing like 800, like the glass cannot be that good. And the DP review video showed that it was like, it seemed kind of soft. And um, they were saying, you know, this is a pre-release model. Maybe it'll get better, but it doesn't, doesn't seem amazing. And so I don't, I don't even know, like giving zooms to videographers doesn't really seem to be the solution either. It's very weird. I would just like to see better glass that is more tailored for like better, smoother autofocus performance. Mm, yeah, But just like update your current lenses. You know, everyone loves the Fuji, the current Fuji lenses. If, if they could update them to have better, smoother autofocus transitioning, I think a lot of people would be really happy about it. Or even a switch, right? Like there are switches on so many Sony lenses and Sigma lenses and all these things that allow it to... Flip and have these different modes, and none of Fuji's lenses really do that. The yeah. sixteen to fifty-five has a switch that flips it, or the sixteen millimeter uh, prime has a switch that changes it from autofocus to manual focus. But beyond that, that's like kind of it. So I don't know. I want I want
0: new lenses, but I also don't really think these are the lenses. I'm curious about the one hundred fifty to six hundred. I, uh, I I started to get into bird photography, and I'm actually pretty happy with the uh, seventy to three hundred. Hmm. And I mean, I'm not very good at it, so that might be saying. Oh come on! There.
2: Well, you that's well, that's why you got to get this one with that bird eye autofocus. Come on! Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm I'm at
1: least glad that they're adding those AI autofocus modes too. Did that you seems- did you see their samples
2: in like their demo video? It looked. It looked really good or they picked the best, yeah. like the hawk flying in and the dog running. I'm like, yeah. okay, is that it, – it looked too good. I find now. it funny that they have a separate bird mode and then an animal mode. Yes, that was my <laughs> thing. Like, oh, hey, let, let's say you're doing your bird photography, Mark, and like, oh, now I want to get a squirrel. Oh, hold on. got to like go I into the me menu Let me go into the menu and switch it to animal.
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think some guy at Fujifilm is really into his birds. He did. He wanted nothing to to taint his algorithm. <laughs> Gary over there, he just he he, well, he wasn't having any of it. <laughs> I am
2: in the market for a nice telephoto lens like that. I. On the coast here, I'm getting into some surf photography, and uh, my 50 to 140 just isn't enough reach. So I'm, I'm in the market. I think it's going to be only around like $2,000, which for that is like – I don't know. We'll see. We shall see.
0: Overall, I thought the X-H2S, um, good camera. I'm personally not going to get it because I'm I'm not a fan of the just, just the, the the ergonomics behind it though so I am really impressed by it it is if this is if this is a, a, a sample of things to come then man I, I can't wait for like the next X, XT line or X pro line I'm i am I'm only, you know, I can only guess what they're going to put into those cameras. uh, Because that's more my, uh, that's more my jam. The the feel of those cameras. And I mean, like right now, to to your point, Dave, like I'm happy with what we have right now. Yeah. We have everything that we need. Um, Everything else is now just. Just this uh, is, is gravy, and uh,
1: it's funny because I
0: remember the hype
1: of both the XH1 and the uh, XT3, and also the XT4. And I remember when the XH1 was coming out, I was so freaking amped because I was doing field video every single day, and I was like, "Man, this camera still doesn't have IBIS. It still doesn't have a flip screen. It still doesn't have blah 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 blah." And it's just like I, I wanted something that was going to be a better video focused camera and then they just totally like kneecapped it. So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like now that they – everything is good. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Everything is good. I think yeah. if anybody, anybody new to that – that is building up their gear right now, I think this is a great opportunity to – Buy a camera that is going to. oh Jesus, I'm going to say it uh, to to future-proof them from that, w- without needing to yeah. buy other gear. Even if something comes out next month, you know, j- j- even if that happens, I mean, having a gimbal system, a uh, 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 ibis system that I- I- is saying that you won't need a gimbal for professional work, we'll see if that's the case, but. For practical use, for walking around and any kind of, uh, you know, you know, a little blogging uh, here and there, or, or vlogging rather, um, that's going to be pretty good. That you don't need to. You can have your camera and your tripod, and, and, and that'll be enough. You don't need extra electronics to to carry around and and, and worry about. So that alone is going to make things pretty cool for anybody new that's that, that's starting out, uh, you know, w- w- with their gear for wedding photography in particular. That's going to be awesome to be able to yeah. just, you know, grab a camera a- a- and just move with your hands, move with your legs, uh, like yeah. Those super zooms could potentially be pretty good for
1: wedding photography if they're sharp enough. Yeah, but we'll see to six, 600 range is pretty insane, especially because it's APS-C. So it's equivalent of like 900, which is <laughs> ridiculous. actually ridiculous, but
0: I would like to see it. It's uh, it, I, I think it's, I think it has potential to somebody building their kit. Um, anybody who has already built out their kit. If you're looking to upgrade, this is probably a good upgradable camera. If you're into the ergonomics. Um, But like needing to upgrade, I I don't, I don't think so. Uh, This is, this is a must have for new, new folks and for those that are needing to replace gear. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. So now that that's out of the way, what about the, uh, the, the the 40 megapixels. What do we want to see out of that bad boy?
1: I'm, again, I don't know. very, like, yeah, I mean, I, it's just, it's such a weird hybrid. I, I did a whole video in December sort of tailored around the idea that higher resolutions are not always better. Um, and in a lot of cases are actually not better because of the amount of light input that you're getting and then all the compensation that you have to do to make that pixel look decent. And 40 megapixels on APS-C is like definitely pushing those limits, and I don't really know a single person who thinks that 26 megapixels is not enough resolution, uh, especially on APS-C sensor. And it's like, if you need more resolution than that, you can just buy a GFX um, yeah. and I know they're more expensive and they don't have as many lenses and maybe it'd be cheaper, but you're not going to get as good, like light quality as you would on a GFX because your pixel pitches is, is smaller. So it just seems weird. I don't know. It seems very weird. I, I, I really, really want to know the other specs and if they're changing the body shape, like anything about the regular XH2. Um, because I think that's going to be sort of the the factor there. They're obviously not going to be able to do the like 6K 30 because on a sensor of that resolution, unless they like pixel band or something. Three fans. So something I think I would have liked to see is like, I would have liked to see onboard storage. Um, I think that like every camera now is still lacking behind a lot of modern features that we see in things like smartphones. And mm-hmm. you know, Zeiss released this camera called the ZX One that didn't do a lot of it. Didn't do like a lot of numbers because it's a six thousand dollar fixed lens camera. But it's running Android on it, and it has Lightroom Mobile and Instagram built in, and it has a data connection. <laughs> um, and so you're able, and so on the X100V, when I'm traveling, I'm often like snapping pics on the X100V, transferring them over to my phone, editing them quickly, and then putting them on Instagram stories all the time. And I just feel like phones need to be more like cameras and cameras need to be more like phones. And they don't necessarily need to merge, but I think both can benefit from the other. And so it just feels a little bit left behind. Like, I reviewed the Leica M11 in November and that at least had 64 gigabytes of onboard storage. So if you forget your SD card, which I'm sure we've all had this happen where you're, you go home, you put your SD card in your computer, you're editing photos. You forget to put your SD card back in your camera. The next time you go out to shoot, you have no SD card and it freaking sucks. Mm -hmm. And storage is so cheap now. Yeah. You know, NAND storage is so cheap. Yeah. Just put just put 128
2: gigabytes in a camera. It's really not that hard. Apple would argue with you on that one. No, I think that's a great that's something that <laughs> I've really been thinking about. You know, even I do a ton of drone photography, and even that's one of the things that I have not upgraded because it's my <laughs> Mavic 2 Pro comes with eight gigs of onboard storage. You know how really? many times yeah. that has saved me? Like So many times, you know? Yeah. And I often have wondered, we were just at a shoot the other day and we had our SD cards, but then I was at a moment of holy cow, have I transferred everything? Did I transfer it? And I only needed, you know, to record a small five minute clip. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, man, I wish we had a little. I mean, you can't give me any onboard nothing, but I hadn't really thought of it fully like that. So yeah, that's an interesting thing. Cameras more like phones; phones more like cameras. I do think that could be a, a good relationship.
1: Yeah, I don't think they need to merge necessarily, but I think that they can both benefit from taking things from each other. But cameras—we've had this conversation for so many years, but cameras are are have lagged behind phones so much, and they are finally catching up. Like things like the different AI autofocus modes becoming more standard are definitely yep. like a, you know, processing like phone like feature, but even just, they just need more basic things like Fi, like, uh, like being able to have onboard storage or to do better Wi Fi transfer or to do USB-C data transfer faster or something like that. You know, like the M11 is way too expensive of a camera, but at least you would be, you were able to like literally plug a USB-C cable into it, no SD card, and just transfer RAWs off of the camera onto your computer.
0: Like, that was amazing. Oh, you so. know what? I just thought of this. Do you know what would make me consider buying the 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 new camera, the, the H2? The H2S? If it can talk to the Instax wide printer. <laughs> oh, like directly? Yep. That would be really dope, actually
1: that would be really cool that that that's sort of like an apple move like ecosystem
0: integration well this is something mm. that fuji has gotten rid of in their cameras um mm. so the previous ones the, the 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 printers that they had the the regular instax the the small ones and then they had the square printer those are able to talk to all of your cameras from uh from you know the X-Pro2, X-T3, X-T4, they talk to that printer just fine. But their newer one, the the wide printer, that can only talk to the X-S10. Hmm. That is a really, really awkward specific thing. It is the only camera that could talk to it. And the reason for this is that their newest printers, the, 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 the Mini Evo and the 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 wide printer only have Bluetooth capabilities they don't have wi fi capabilities, and I think this is uh Fuji's way of saying screw it to the old system because they always had trouble with the the wi fi portion mm-hmm. and uh, yeah the, the, so they're they're only bluetooth enabled wow, yeah. Wi-Fi would be a
1: lot better. It'd be a lot faster. Wi-Fi Direct is much better.
0: But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know what's what, what's going on. Uh, I, I I I hope that I'm wrong and you know they'll, they'll be able to make some kind of connection. But nope. Yeah. Yeah. So if the XH 2s can talk to the 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 the. The mini, uh, the what what is it? the the wide printer then then I then I will buy it. I will find the funds and <laughs> make it happen. Yeah, your move, Fuji. <laughs> um, well, gentlemen, I think this has been awesome. Uh, I think we've uh, we've solved everything. We've uh, gotten to the bottom of everything. We've <laughs> dissected the the presentation, and we could overall say, Great camera, and it's up to you to buy it or not, based on the (laughs) we (laughs) provide it. I'll say this: I I can't wait for the, the the Fuji mini documentaries. If anybody out there is looking to is still on the fence, even after listening to us, then definitely check out their promotional videos. Because they do some great work in showing how other real ex photographers, ex creators are using uh, these cameras, and it's well worth the well worth the watch. Uh, At the very least, they're really entertaining, so uh, you'll at least have that uh, for uh, for you. But. uh, We'll have to do this again when, when, when the, the, the the next XH2 <laughs> is announced. We'll have to finish this conversation and uh, be awed by what, what comes next. But until then, Dave, where can people find you on the web?
1: Um, You can find me at Twitter. I am DervidML on Twitter. I'm on Instagram at DavidML. Uh, my website is DavidML.com. You can find me on YouTube at David Amell. I am on the MKBHD studio channel at the studio. I'm kind of
0: everywhere. I'm all over the internet. <laughs> so mostly David Amell is where you can find me. Dave, I got to say, your film work has been awesome. And I want to bring you back onto the show just to to talk about that. Because uh, you, you have been doing some amazing work. And, and I, I definitely want to. Talk about uh, talk about that with you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. That'd be awesome. Do a whole film episode. TX one. Right.
2: <laughs> Jared, where can people find you? Oh well, you can find me on TikTok uh, at Jared underscore Quackenbush. There's not many Quackenbushes on there, believe it or not, so I'm not too hard to find. Uh, and you can find a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff and some of the photos that I'm putting out on my Instagram page, which is just at Jared Quackenbush. If you have any right questions, on. love to connect with any of you guys. My DMs are open. Thanks, Mark. Nice
0: to talk to you again, Dave. Hope you're well. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Right on. Great having you on. And, uh, yeah, let's do this again next time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope to see you back next week. I wanted to also mention one more time that this is brought to you by Fujilove Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, head on over to Fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And my name is Mark Sadowski. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Mostly Instagram, though. I'm at Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And you can also check out my other podcast, XMark. It's a Fujifilm-esque kind of show, where it's more spice of life and pretty infrequent. But if you want more of my voice, that's the place to check it out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.